0: It is Thursday, which means it's your echo chamber coming at you, baby. And as we do, we uh, start things off by looking at the top ten films screening in the UK right now. So at number ten, we have Wahidi's Jojo Rabbit. So it's done, Watiti. Scarlett Johansson Roman Griffin Davis And Sam Rockwell So at number 9 Is The Doorman So this is from uh, Rahal Kamura And it's starring Ruby Rose Jean Renault, Aleki Henny, And Rupert Evans At number 8 People We've got um Jack Sans. um, you know, Jumanji, the next level. So, obviously, this one starred Karen Gillen, Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart, and uh, Jack Black. At number seven, we got John Watts's Spider Man Far From Home, which, hey. Great, great film, man. And we got Tom Holland, Zanander, Jack, Jake, even, <laughs> Gillen Hall, and Jacob Batalar. At number six, still in the top ten, it's Tennant from Christopher Nolan. So, Kenneth Braver, Elizabeth Debicki, Robert Patterson, and John David Washington. So, now we're in the top five. At number five is Robert Zemeckis. Ronald Dahl's adaptation of The Witches. So we got Anne Hathaway, Octavia Spencer, Kristen Chenoweth, and Jazir Bruno. At number four is The New Mutants from Josh Boone. So Anna Taylor Johnson, Maisie Williams, Blue Hunt, and Charlie Heaton. And number 3 A new one this week Godzilla King of the Monsters So this is from Michael Doherty um, And it's starring Millie Bobby Brown Vera Famiga Carl Chandler And Ken Watanawarie At number 2 It's Michael Grace's The Greatest Showman And it's Sarge Hugh Jackman Zac Efron Zahanja And um, Kila Seattle Which means at number One It's those wild Stallions Bill and Ted face the music So it's from Dean Paris, Starring Keanu Reeves And Alex Winter With um, Bridget Lindsay and Samara Weavings So yeah There you have it people, so we've got three films this week And before we get to those, a little bit of information people So sit back, relax and let's get popping. Well horror fans, February might be the shortest month But shudder, yes the um you know the uh platform streaming platform that you need if you are a very keen hot horror fanatic well yeah they'll be releasing a new that's right people a new original exclusive film every week of the month yes that is correct um there will also be A new last drive-in Valentine's special. The um, episode drop of A Discovery of Witches is continuing throughout the month. Um, And there will also be the original The Queen of Black Magic. Yes, that is correct. Because, well, Shudder's kind of a reboot of the film is dropping at the end of January. So, yeah you can, if you watch that and think, oh, it's great, or, meh, not, you know, I preferred the original, well, in February, you can watch the original, also, Vampire's Kiss, right, the um classic Nick Cage film, uh, then you've got some 70s cult classic films, such as Audrey Rose, Psychomania, and the Ninth Configuration. Yeah. So um, some of the big premieres will be A Nightmare Wakes. Right. So this is. Um, oh the gist is. while well, composing his famous novel Frankenstein. Mary Shelley descends into an opium fueled fever dream. While carrying on a torrid love affair with Percy Shelley. As she writes the characters of her novel come to life and begin to plague her relationship with Percy. Before long she must choose between true love and her literary masterpiece. An unsettling intimate portrayal of a brilliant artist at her most troubled. A nightmare wakes, traces the tortured birth of a timeless masterwork and a rightful assertion of its creator to stand alongside her creation so it stars alex wilton regan uh gulon yayo gulojicha uh Philippe, um bowagon um and lee garrett okay it's d- directed by nora uncle yeah Cool, and this will be dropping on the 4th of February. There is also After Midnight. Okay, so um, this is from director Jeremy Gardner um, and Christian Stella. And um, the film is about this. Ten years into his small town storybook romance with Abby. Hank suddenly wakes up to an empty home with nothing but a cryptic note to explain why she left. Hank's charmed life begins to fall apart to make matters worse Appy's disappearance seems to trigger the arrival of a ferocious creature that crawls out of the old grove on the edge of his property and uh, this it hits on the 11th Uh, So, we then have Shook, which is, um, yeah, this is from Jennifer Harrington. Uh, So, when Mia, a social media star, becomes the target of an online terror campaign, she has to solve a series of tests to prevent people she cares about from getting murdered. But, is it real? Or is it just a game at her expense? The film stars Daisy Tutor, Emily Goss, Nicola Puzna, Octavius J. Johnson, Stephanie Simbari, and Grant Rosemeyer. And uh, you can see this on the 18th of February. We then have The Dark and the Wicked. So... On a secluded farm, a man is bedridden and fighting through his final breaths while his wife slowly succumbs to overwhelming grief. Siblings Louise and Michael return home to help but it doesn't take long for them to see that something's wrong with mum. Something more than her heavy sorrow gradually they begin to suffer a darkness similar to their mothers marked by waking nightmares and a growing sense that an evil entity is taking over their family it's directed by brian bertino um and you'll be able to watch that on the 25th so um yeah people if you don't already have shudder what the hell are you doing? Alright, so um, go pick it up and you get the opportunity to watch all of these plus a wealth of other horror classics. Horror fans, oh, mark this date because um, the final Girls Berlin Film Festival Berlin's premier showcase of horror films directed and produced by women and non-binary filmmakers will return in the new year for the sixth time and first virtual edition. The fest will run from February the 4th to the 7th and include features, short blocks, and an impressive slate of talks and special. Offerings, Feature films will be geo-locked to Germany While several short blocks and all non-film programming will be viewable worldwide This will be followed by a planned second in-person event To take place over Halloween weekend October the 29th to the 31st At City Kino Wedding in Berlin like many festivals confronting COVID 19, we fought long and hard about how to make our festival as safe and enjoyable as possible and decided to split our sip edition, explains festival co director Ellie Lu. The February program includes a number of films about loneliness, technology, technological reliance and conformant that reflect our present-day reality in chilling ways. Co-director Sarah Nidoff sees the current pandemic as a chance to connect across geogra- ge- uh, geographical distance and goes on to say, we've got a thrilling side program with workshops and talks from holoscorers, horror scholars that we're extremely honoured to have with us these times are grim but they bring an opportunity to virtually connect with an international feminist horror community that otherwise couldn't normally make it to Berlin so we hope more and more folks will emerge from the woodwork and come join us so people mark those dates and, um, hey, if you're in Berlin, you are definitely in for a spooky treat. Okay, people, so now that is all out the way. Let's get cracking with this week's reviews. Okay, people, so suspense thrillers, right? Always, um... Always a good watch when you can find a good one, right? And um well, a new one has hit, right? So below zero, otherwise known as um Bajozo, hmm, something along those lines. It's a Spanish film, it uh it's just hit Netflix. Okay, so it's is directed and co-written by um Luis Quiles um Fernando Navarro uh co-wrote it with him it's produced by Josep Amoros Pedro Ural, um we've we got music by Zacharias M. De La Riva. Okay. And our cast, well our main, our main two are, mm, are they our main two? Well our main character is Martin, played by Javier Gutierrez. Um, his partner is Montesinos. Played by Isaac Furies. Um, and then there's a, uh, a slew of, um, other vital carriers. Like Miguel, played by, uh, Cara Elejic, um, Ramos, Louise Callejo. um, there's Ray Edgar Vitinierno uh, Pado, who's Mikel Gilbert, um, Chino, who's Alex Muna, Nano, who's Patrick Credo, um, yeah, Gollum Andreas Guterix, okay. <sighs> That's, uh, yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> so, um, right. The, the plot of this story, well, we follow Martin, a National Police corpse officer who was transferred to a new precinct and assigned to transport prisoners with his new partner, Monster Ninos. He must drive the heavily armoured prison transport van over a cold winter's night. The operation soon goes horribly wrong. When the van is attacked, Martin is now forced with a truckload of prisoners trying to escape and an unknown assailant. So yes, there is a lot here. Now, the film opens in a kind of a crazy way. Right, we've got a man in a kind of ooh, one of those um rain poncho coaty kind of things. You yeah, know, he's got a big hood, so we never see his face. And he's chasing a guy. Chasing a guy. Right? The only real dialogue within the scene is um oh well, so um, where is she, yes, and um, yeah, this scene is crazy, right, uh, you know, he's trying to get information out of this young dude, and he's chasing him, it's raining, muddy, you know, he's in the dark, right, and it's one of those times when you think, oh, So, this is a part from later in the film, and it's just opened up in a way. So, from there, we then suddenly, we're with Martin. Right, we're with Martin, he's with his wife, and he's one of his daughters in the car. And they're talking about, you know, they need to pick up their other girl, but it looks like they've got a a, a flat tire. Right, got a flat tire, and he's, you know, his wife, they're, they're trying to discuss what the best way to do. So, um, you know, he says he'll stay with the car. She goes, picks up their other girl, right? And he's got his other daughter in the car. So he go. so then we see him changing the tire, like, getting in arguments with people. And then from there, he's at the precinct. So he's there, it's all crazy, you know. He, he lets them know who he is, and, um, yeah, now he's on the job, right? And one of his first tasks is this prison transport mission, which, you know, I think a few people and his new partner think is a little crazy because, you know, to get that on your first, you know, one of your first jobs, okay. So, um, yeah he's kind of given the lowdown on, you know, what the whole deal is, you know, he asks like, oh, why are we going at night and it's just like, um well, it's to throw people off right, the the prisoners don't know, and people don't know, right, so you want to keep it like that, and uh, then it's, you know because it's been snowing, so it's just like, well, we'll pick the back roads, it's going to take longer, but you know, it, they should be clearer, which is a peculiar one, because I always thought the back roads are the ones that people don't clear out first, but hey-ho, it is what it is, right, so um, then we have, you know, we kind of, we're introduced to the prisoners, right, so they all get, they're all getting searched and everything like this, right, and, um, yeah, you know, <laughs> oh gosh, you're just like, oh, I would not want to be in that position. You know what I mean? So now they're on the van and we're driving and everything is fine. Right? You've got yeah, you know, the prisoners all asking questions, and you know, often they're like, Oh, it's freezing, can we have more heat? Which, you know, reinforces the fact that it's a cold night, people. It is a very cold night. So, now we're seeing a few things. Right? We're seeing a few things, like a mysterious man's reflection in a puddle. um, Yeah, like someone doing a few like bits and bobs. And so we know it's building up to a big confrontation. And, uh, yeah... So when all of that goes down, now the film is really in gear. And it's one of those ones which I would say it's not, like, fast, you know, action, 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 action. But there is plenty to keep you occupied. You know, we're getting, you know, like, during the trip and then after it all starts to go crazy, We're learning more about each of the prisoners, you know, and um, especially as we get this um, whole—it's like a Who's Done It, right? So it's this whole thing of, oh, who's organised this? Like, how has this happened? Whose people are outside? You know, like what's going on? So, we we get all of that, which, yeah, is a, you know, you are intrigued. You're just like, huh, who would have been able to do this stuff? And especially with this whole short notice affair, you know, so there is all of that. And then you have to think about, right, is it his partner? Right, so there is a lot there is a lot that kind of runs through your mind with this because yeah who wants to hit a prison truck so we're getting there's more and more and I think one of the big things is how the hell is Martin going to stay safe right what are his actions going to be so we have all of this and we definitely see some things that you, you you do think, damn. Okay, right now, I think we get to this point, and it becomes like there's a lot of a moral ambi- ambiguity. You know what I mean? There's definitely a lot of that here, because you're kind of like, oh. Are we with the driver? Do we want the prisoners to escape? Should he help the prisoners? Like, it's... How far are you going to go when it comes to doing your job, which is transporting, saving their lives, but you do know that a lot of these people are nasty. Right, so it's just like, what are you going to do? You know, and what would they do? Like, are they going to keep you safe? Are they going to be good to you? Like, what's the deal here? So you have all of these questions, right? And, um, you know, it's not just a prison van. There is a, a, a you know, a police car that is escorting them, right? So... I think they have to investigate what's going on. You do, I think, you do definitely kind of roll your eyes a little bit with some of the things that go down, right? I mean, there's there's a moment when Martin's in trouble, and he doesn't seem... Because these are things like I think we're under the impression that he's been on the force for a while, right? This is he's just transferred, you know, st- precincts. So it's not like he's a new cop. So you you kind of assume that he has understandings, right? There's certain things he knows, but his actions they do seem a little. Wait, what? Why are you just standing there? You're surely you need to move, right? You're not in a great position here, and yeah, there's certain things that he's doing. You're you're kind of rolling your eyes a little, like this makes no sense, right? This makes no sense. Come on, man! Like, and how are you not getting hit right now, right? So there's a few of these, you know. Um, also. Right, some of the stuff with the prisoners again. There, you know, there are some leaps of faith that you have to take. Right? How's the van moving so quickly again? And just all of this kind of stuff. Also, there is this whole thing of because it does keep you guessing. That's the great thing. It does keep you guessing. But once the the motives do become clear, you are just a bit like, this is a lot, <laughs> right? This is a lot. And the whole I've tried to do as least damage is a, you're like, mm, really? <laughs> really? This there's a lot of dead people here, right, there's a lot of damage, you know, I mean? so there are some things that do, I think, yeah, give you a little pause, but I will say one thing I did enjoy, right, because I think a lot of times you watch films like this, and whenever there's, and just, you know, I think films in general nowadays, you 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 get to any fight scene, And everyone knows, like, mixed martial arts. Yeah, we always see that. And it's always a bit like, oh, really? Like, everyone knows how to fight. And not everyone in the real world knows how to fight. People think they know how to fight, think they're tough, but they're not always great. So that, I feel that's kind of reflected in the fight scenes. You know because yeah, we're not dealing with these highly skilled individuals. The fight seems are messy, and um you know everyone involved they're not great, right, so I liked that aspect of it that it, you know they're not trying to sell this as you know these highly skilled great people, and they're doing this thing, and ah you know it, it's a it's a mess. Everything is a mess, and these people are struggling, struggling to survive and find answers. So um, all of that, yeah, that's good. And uh, even the end, right? I I think the end, that was handled pretty well, right? Because we do get the answers, and I think what we have is, like, people acting in a way that you're like, yeah, no, I get that, right, that, that all makes sense, right, you can, you can believe that the characters would go about it in that way, so, yeah, that, that was good, now, there are definitely a few answers that are left, like, or maybe not answers so much, but, like, huh, I wonder how that did get resolved, or what happened with... But that's fine, right? It's fine. And, yeah, it ends on this kind of... um, Ooh, I don't know, but just unspectacular moment, which kind of definitely fits the character. You know? Fits the character, and it does kind of... Yeah. I think that's a good way... In which to tie it all together. But. Uh, yeah. Even with the. Um, you know. The roll the eye moments. The. Um, really? Are they going to be able to do that? You know. Even with those bits. I mean. This is still a compelling film. Right. You you are still with it all the way through. Which is. yeah, Definitely a good thing. Right. Definitely a good thing. So uh, yeah, I'd say it's worth a check, you know, and um, it is dubbed right Spanish, but it is dubbed, so that's always a good look for people. Uh, so yeah, it's on Netflix. You can um, go check it out. I would say that if you are fans of, um, I don't know, like a sort on Precinct Thirteen. Right, there was that film Armoured back in, what, 2009, something like that. You know, if those sorts of films are your thing, right, set up and swats and stuff like that. Now, they're not necessarily completely the same, but I think slightly on the vibe side of things, so yeah if you're a fan of those, then you might want to give Below Zero or um, it's Spanish name, Bajo Curio Uh, yeah, (laughs) I think I might have nailed it, who knows, but uh, yeah you might want to give this a check so yeah, it's a Netflix film, so you know it's going to be on the platform forever, so yeah Go fill your boots and enjoy some suspense, people. People, did you know that the 1st of February, not only being, you know, the beginning of a new month, it also marked the death of Mary Shelley. Now. Obviously, she didn't die this year. No, she died in 1851. So, it was the 170th anniversary of her passing. So, it makes sense that today, the 4th of February, you know, marks the release of A Nightmare Wakes right, because, people, you're thinking, I don't see the parallels, what's going on, well, <laughs> A Nightmare Wakes is about Miss Shelley herself, you know, or, I mean, maybe not Miss Shelley at the time, well, at the start of the piece, <laughs> you know what I mean, I, I mean, you could technically You know, refer to her um, by her previous name, you know, her father's name, because they they weren't actually married. So, um, (laughs) there is that, right? There is that, but, you know, Mary Shelley is fine because that's how she saw herself you know, because yes, you know, technically is Mary Godwin, but yeah, she'd been um, fooling around with Percy for a while, so yeah, she she considers herself, and especially on that trip, as Mrs. Shelley, so um, yeah, we're going to be talking about A Nightmare Wakes, and um, this is the Debut feature from Nora Uncle, who also uh, wrote the script. You know, so um, it's produced by uh, Frederic Fleur, Gabriella Rosenstein, Robert Menzies, Devon Shepherd, and Eric Tavini. Um, music is from John Kisner and the cinema. Cin- Cinematography is Oren Suffur. Yosh. Uh, now the cast the cast, you know, it's a good cast, people. And we have Alex Wilton Regan. Now she plays Mary Shelley. Um we've got Gulian Gililulu, who plays Percy Shelley. Uh, Claire Glassford plays Mary's um, sister, stepsister, you know, Claire Claremont. We've got Philippe Bugen, who plays Lord Byron. We have Lee Garrett, who plays Dr. Poldori and harriet shelley is played by shannon spangler okay so the um you know the the gist of the feature is um well it's this right so while composing her famous novel frankenstein mary shelley descends into an opium-fueled fever dream while carrying on a torrid love affair with Percy Shelley. As she writes, the characters of her novel come to life and begin to plague the relationships with those closest to her as the shadow of her monster threatens to overcome her. An unsettling intimate portrayal of a brilliant artist at her most troubled. A nightmare wakes, traces the tortured birth of a timeless masterwork. And the rightful accession of its creator to stand alongside her creation. So, yes. There you have it. Now, I think... um, yeah, there's a lot to be considered with this, right? And, um, you know, the director, well, she had a, you know, a few things to uh, to say about the work, right? Which, yeah, I, I kind of feel, you know, it, it's, a, it's a fair, um, you know, summation really. So she says... Uh, She creates a masterpiece, she gives birth to a monster, she awakens a nightmare. A Nightmare Wakes is based off the life of Mary Shelley as she writes her novel Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus. With her creature and creator, Mary created science fiction as an entire genre transfixed in 1800s Europe in ways they never thought possible. But what history seems to forget is that Frankenstein is about a miscarriage. It's a metaphor for motherhood. It's a cry for the death of her child. Mary's tumultuous struggle of love, loss, abandonment by society and family, and even a struggle with her own sanity has yet to be captured fully on screen. In studying her history and hearing its echoes in modern day life, I realize that Mary's life and my own as a modern woman are not dissimilar. She lived a colorful life of free love, drugs and freedom alongside some of the most celebrated artists of her day. Why not then show her story through modern sensibilities and imagery? Further, why not tell her story as she envisioned Frankenstein through the horror of losing a child? With dark, thrilling and sexual themes, Mary's story escapes from history and becomes our own. In the end, I hope to leave audiences in raptured by Mary's chilling, intimate and dark narrative. A narrative to enter The Darkest Nightmares, hmm, and yes, I definitely feel that this film, it does a really good job of, you know, giving you that chilling afterthought, you know, that enclosed sense of self. You know, the 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 worrying echo of loathing and doubt peering over your shoulder. That is all there. It's captured very well. I would definitely say. You know, there's um a lot of good use of darkness in the film. Sometimes a little too much. You know, and I say that just because. There are some scenes that are literally very dark. So it's hard to make out a lot of the things that are going on. Which is a shame because from what you are hearing on the screen. Right? That you know that there is subtlety in what you should be seeing. So it's just a shame that that doesn't necessarily jump off at you. But, the darkness, you know, of, of the character of the moment, right, of the thought, that is all there, that is all there, that's represented, and it comes across very well. So, yeah, that, that was, um, you know, very well done for a a first-time director, people, so, you know, I, th- I think this is, it's worth checking for that, you know. Now, there are other things in the film that are a little, I don't know. I, have, I think you wonder about. I think that's maybe the best way to kind of open that up, right? There's There's a few things that you kind of think, huh. Okay, right, so let's start, right, so firstly, the film opens up, Like right? we have a woman, you know, she's heavily pregnant, and she's standing by a lake, and then we see this woman walk into the lake, you're like, oh, hold on, what's, um, what's happening here, right, and yeah, she walks into the water, and you're thinking, okay, maybe she's just, you know, dipping her toes, right? No, she's going deeper. Maybe she's hot, right? She's going under. Hmm. And, and, like, first you're wondering, is this a metaphor, right? Is she going to, you know, emerge out? And then that's like, it's childbirth, you know, or something, What? who knows? Then, you know, the, the, the name of the film comes up, and... We're somewhere else, right? Now we, we, it seems like, you know, everything has changed. The scenery seems different. But we now have a woman running through the forest. And you're like, oh, okay. Hmm. Now, is this after she's got out the lake already? Is this leading up to that moment? But then all of a sudden, you know, a guy's there, and they're happy, and, you know, it's all like, oh, okay, okay, so what we saw at the beginning, that must be, you know, something that happens towards the end of the film, maybe, but, you know, we're getting this kind of, you know, we're looking at this couple who seem to be very much into each other, you know, so we have all of that, Uh, It it it's definitely a, um, you know, just the position of those situations, one seems very fraught in, you know, despair, and the other, you know, enveloped in happiness, so we're just like, okay, interesting, hmm, and, you know, then we find out they're off to Mr. Byron's house, so we've got Percy, we've got Mary, and we've got Claire, now, I feel... The, what we have from the actors, you know, like, the performances are, all the performances seem to be very different. You know, some of the characters, it feels more like they're in the theatre. It feels like they're projecting to an audience in that fashion. You know that it's 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 not the same as a film. You know they're in a film. No, they're on a stage and they're delivering. And then others, yeah, others are like no, they're on they're on the you know they're in the scene in a film and they understand and that's what they're giving to us. So you you get this very odd mix. I don't know if this is a um. You know, a a tool that Uncle has decided to use. You know, but that's... That's definitely how it seems. Right? Uh, Which is a little bit odd. I think especially on the emotional front. Because not everyone seems to deliver at the same kind of... um, value, you know, it's like, I think some people, like, you know, Mary, right, so, um, Alex, she's, she's doing, she does a very good job of giving us that kind of range of emotion, and, and you kind of get it from looking at her, and just hearing her, well, I mean, like, Percy, he's, you know, the tonally he doesn't really seem to change now you can understand by the words that things have changed and sometimes the volume may rise but you know it all kind of you know there's... you don't really feel like the, the pain or the frustration or any of that within the tone of his delivery right, so it is a kind of a mixed bag on, on on that kind of form, but the story itself, you know, is this interesting story, right, and, uh, you know, as mentioned, there's, you know, the, the loss of a child and the birth of a book, and we're seeing these weird things happen to Mary, right, we're seeing these weird kind of These visual thoughts, these constructs that, you know, uh, you think, are they there or are they not there? You know, sometimes things happen and you're wondering, uh, which does, yeah, it, it makes certain scenes. You do kind of think, you're like, did that just happen or is that something within her mind? I don't know. Because, yeah, there are definitely those moments where you're looking at something and it's showing this thing. And then you realise, oh, no, that's not real. Right? Because then a few scenes later, everything is different. And you're like, oh, that was, like, one of her fever dreams or, or something like that. So you are watching the film kind of, yeah, like, wrapped in the like the narrative of oh is this the dream or is this the the, the waking you know consciousness of what is happening so yeah it, it's interesting but you do wonder right because i think one of the big things like about this film and this production is that uh you know uncle she's um you know she she put together this this film using um well it is a um a a, a female driven you know crew right, so she's, you know, the co-founder of Wild Obscura, which is the produ- a production company, and they're looking at content from women, by women, about women, right, that's their ethos, and you wonder then, with some of the things that happen, and especially from what you know of Mary Shelley, right, so she was definitely about free love, because, you know, her, her father followed these certain philosophies, right, so um, William Goodwin, you know, he was a, pho- a political philosopher, and, yeah, he believed in these certain things, which then she did herself, so there are moments in the film that do do make you wonder, right, because You do kind of, you're looking at it and you're thinking, is something going on between Claire and Percy, right, but Mary doesn't, she never mentions it, right, never mentions it, There's another moment of, I don't know, like, rape, but you're like, is it? Or you know, it, it's hard to know because you do kind of wonder, oh, is this another of the, the the fever dreams or not? But again, it's something that's never mentioned, right? Which you kind of feel that I thought she'd talk about that because she talks to her sister about things but she doesn't talk to her sister about certain things. And yeah, Yeah, you're kind of wondering why, right? So you're trying to get your brain around like things that are happening and the way the film is pieced together. Like there is this kind of thread that Percy May be trying to sabotage Mary. But it it's just loosely in there. Right? It, you know, it's not fully. A part of the film. In a way that you can go. Yes, I see that. And I, oh, that's that. And that's that. Now, these, again, these could be parts of the fever dream. But it is. There, you know, I I kind of feel that narrative, that part of the film, it is a little bit loose, right, it's a little bit loose, it's not as well constructed as other parts, so yeah, it, it is something that, you know, you're not quite sure about, you know, so I do feel that, yeah, there's some parts of the film that are definitely stronger than others. And, the way the film ends, right, so it ends with, um, I think the, the story that kind of completes itself, right, and, With the history of Mary Shelley, you understand that, oh, these things did happen. But there are still then those questions, right? Those questions and thoughts that have come up that never seem to be addressed. So you do kind of wonder why, right? You wonder why. Why would those things be allowed to happen and not addressed. You know. Yeah. And I feel that's the. That's the one thing that was a little bit disappointing. That some of these things aren't. And you kind of feel that. Right, Maybe she wouldn't confront certain people. And certain things. But we do have her talking to herself. We do have that. So. There could be scenes of her trying to piece these things together. You know, and and I kind of think that would have served the character well. You know? So um yeah, that was a little bit of a shame. But I do think there is enough here to, you know, to interest people. You know, so I'd, I'd say if you were a fan of, um, oh, like stuff like um, *Sint Maard*, right? If you watched, you know, that film by, uh, you know, is it? Ra- I think it's Rachel Glass. I believe it's Rachel Glass. Or um, you know, you recently watched *Hunted*, which debuted on uh, Shudder in January. know i think those two films they are kind of tonally very similar to this right so yeah if you watched and enjoyed those two rose glass even that's synth malt not rachel glass but yes if you enjoyed those then i think yeah this will speak to you and also if you're a fan of Mary Shelley, <laughs> you know what I mean? Then, um, yeah, th- this would probably be something you'd want to check out. And so, yes, people, it is out today on Shudder. So, you know, if you don't have the app, <laughs> you know, just like people, why? <laughs> right? Because if you're a fan of horror, this does seem to be the platform for you. You know, we've definitely spoken about a lot, right, a lot of the great things that are here, you know, we've, you know, just so many of the titles, man, like, Blood Quantum, Host, right, which really tore it up last year, right, you've got, you know, Scare Package, Spiral, The Beach House, The Cleansing Hour, the shared moratorium, yummy. These are all very enjoyable. And yo, there's so much more on the app. So people, go grab Shudder. You know? There's um codes flying around so you can get yourself a little trial. And, you know, watch a nightmare wakes. Right? So um, yeah. It's there. And um, yes, it's definitely compelling. So uh, you know. Have a little um psychological, historical, scary fun with yourself. Right? Enjoy. Mm -hmm. Have to say, sometimes you miss films, right? You might cover a festival and for whatever reason, because there's always so much going on, you miss stuff right and when i was covering fantasia uh last year the 2020 edition you know um yeah morgana was playing but i missed it you know so um yeah i w- as soon as i saw that it was um you know coming up again because uh you know it is going to be screening at the san francisco indie fest i was like you know what? Boom! Perfect opportunity to uh, check this out because you see the the visuals, and it is intriguing, right? It's really intriguing, especially you know, I, I guess one of the main ones with the you know you see a woman, and um, yeah, she's tied up. You know, he's suspended, tied up, with the, the you know, the flame-coloured headdress, you know, was like, wax on her, and it's just like, huh, what the hell is the story behind that, right? So, uh, yeah, you know, I got to watch Morgana, a documentary, you know, so, um, yeah, as I said, look, it is a fascinating, right?, Fascinating, and uh, th- you know, there's a big team behind it, right? So, uh, it is produced, um, yeah, produced, written, you know, put together essentially um, by uh, Josie Hess and Isabel Peppard, you yeah, know. So, um, yeah, they, they, they've kind of they're the back. Bones behind this, and it's you know for their production house, House of Grey. No, Gary House of Gary. That is very like sometimes you look at a word and you're like, Oh, that's no house of Gary. Okay, now, um, they're you know, they've got a load of other talented people working with them. So, their um, miniatures cinematographer is Gerald Thompson. Um, Miniatures, design, and build was um, Isabel. Uh, We've got the dialogue editor, Rick Alliles. Sound design, John Kazab. Visual effects, Louise Nikoloski. Yeah, just a, a, a lot of people. A lot of people involved. And, you know, it's following Morgana Muse, right? And you might wonder who the hell is Morgana Muse. Well, that's the beauty of it. This, this whole piece, it tells us about it. And so, this is this is the basic backdrop, right? Morgana is an artistic character portrait of a 50-year-old housewife who reinvents herself as a sex-positive feminist porn star. After 20 years as a dutiful housewife, stuck in a loveless, sexless marriage, Morgana has had enough of her dreary life. Desperately lonely and starved of intimacy, she books a male escort for one last hurrah before ending it all. Her final night takes an unexpected turn when her relationship with the escort opens up a new world of personal and sexual freedom. After hearing about a competition for first-time erotic filmmakers, Morgana directs and stars in a film... About her own story. Duty bound. Unexpectedly. It wins. Catapulting her. Into the international. Feminist porn community. Taking her. From Australia to Berlin. Life emerges. With art. As Morgana uses. Erotic filmmaking. As a tool of creative catharsis while struggling with demons from her past so um yeah you know and that is intriguing right it is definitely intriguing now the um you know the directors isabel and uh, josie right so um You know, they in the press pack, they talk about, you know, the work and everything like that. So they said, you know, this has been filmed over five years. Morgana is a vibrant, creative collage of a film that seamlessly incorporates handmade miniature elements, archival footage, and the subject's own erotic, artistic um, erotica. To tell a story that is both intimate and universal. As a character, Morgana embarks upon a uh, (laughs) silical journey of personal transformation and rebirth. Which we have illustrated using diverse and interwoven creative constructs. From miniature sets to a large scale Siberia bondage installation. That's the the ropes. In choosing an approach that is as fantastical, we have embraced the subject's own personal creation, myths around her gendered entrapment and ultimate emancipation. Using them as a basis to design elaborate worlds in order to immerse the audience inside of her own internal emotional journey. Despite the potentially sensualist nature of the material, we have gone with a humanistic, character driven approach, using stories from childhood interwoven with current events and the fantasy world of Morgana's erotic films we are presenting a nuanced multi-layered portrait of a woman reclaiming her identity through creative and sexual catharsis and yeah i think it does paint that journey now interestingly enough so the film it opens up (laughs) and it's an odd one right so we we start off and we're in I don't know, we're like in a field, right? And there's holes. With it's what because they're like um they're doing a they're shooting, right? So they're shooting um the these scenes and Morgana is she gets into a hole. She's in a like um I don't know, a nighty, maybe, and she gets into this hole and they're covering with earth and pouring earth on her. Now I, it's just like they don't dig the hole, so <laughs> I don't know what this is. They they just randomly I don't know if it's a graveyard, right, with the pre dug holes, or I don't know, but they've just got these holes and then yeah, she gets in one and they pull, and you're like, huh, what is what's going on? <laughs> and from there, we start to basically. It's funny, she's getting buried, but this is where we start to uncover, right, what's going on, who the hell is Morgana Muse, and, you know, what is it all, what's happening, right, so, yeah, we start to get this story, and it is fascinating, I definitely will say it's fascinating, because you know when you kind of hear about everything like you definitely see how you know a lot of people have um been in a similar situation right so she grew up in a, a small town small town in um, you know the outbacks of australia um I want to say Cody Pete, something like that, right? And, you know, she says they lived underground, which, man, that was fat. I was like, huh? I want to see that. Like, I would have loved to have seen a shot of this underground house. And is that the norm in that place where she grew up? You know, did, was everyone's home underground because of the heat? because of the terrain, like, why underground, right? But, you know, she talks about how, as a kid, you know, there was no TV, no social media, and, you know, when you think about her age, obviously, no, because social media wasn't a thing, right? It wasn't a, you know, even as, as being younger, even when I was growing up, like, email wasn't a thing for ages, right, and then when it suddenly started, not everyone had it, you know, it was just this thing, and you wondered, oh, okay, all right, but we're still using fax machines, so, yeah, imagine when she was young, definitely not there, so she's like, yeah, we used to run around and play and all of this, so her mum then moved them to um, Sydney because, you know, It's no real schools or anything like that. But then it's trying to fit in. So you can understand, right? There was this weird kind of situation of transition, right? Where she's probably just playing with everyone and no one really cares. And then you move, and now it's all about, you know, dressing a certain way and. You know, looking, you know, being a a young lady, <laughs> all of that, right? And you know, she's like, oh, her mum was always like, oh, why doesn't, how come no one's, you know, trying to marry you and all of this? So, you know, eventually she gets married. Now, what would have been interesting was a bit more information around certain things, because, you know, she talks about getting married, but then, you know, realizing that they're not compatible, so, I mean, the question is, how did you get married, like, what happened, right, was this someone you dated for a period of time, or is it just some guy, you know, he asked, so it was just like, okay, fine, whatever, just to, you know, stop the pressure from your mother, just to, you know, feel like you were fitting in. Like, why? How did you meet this guy? And also, they had two kids, right? They had two kids, so, you know, there was sex. And so she says after the first kid, she then got depressed and, you know, became morbidly obese there was more sex because there was the other kid. So how did that, ha- like what happened? Like, you know, this is, I feel this is imp- I think this kind of goes into who she is, like what happened, right? So it would have been interesting to get all of that, but you know, you can understand then the, the feeling of, you know, loss right, if if no one's talking to you, you're ostracized, yeah, you can understand why she might want to end it all, but then it's the whole experience with the escort, which again is an interesting one, because it's like, it was meant to be this one experience, and then she was going to kill herself, but, you know, then, after this night, then they arrange another date, right, so it was then, what was, you know, what was the thing, so after you you arrange a second date, but is it like, I'll kill myself after the second date, like, you know what I mean, that, I don't know, sometimes I just need, I want more information, I want to paint that full picture, so we don't get all of that, but, you know, she then did hears about this competition, right? So, you know, she's realized that what she really wants is to feel, right? She, what she really wants to feel. So it would have been interesting, too, to know how... So how often did she see this escort, right? What was that situation? Um, Because... You know she's been with the air school a couple of times, maybe. Then she hears about the fit. You know this uh, film competition that um, is happening. So it's the, it's a, it's a, a situation of right. When did you hear about the competition? Right. When did that all play into it? Yeah, so yeah it been but she wins this and this is when the life really takes over and it is fascinating how all of this is getting shown and you can definitely see right you can definitely see how she's lighting up for the camera right how everything that's going on seems to be playing in to her self-worth, you know, the the, the whole miniature thing is, like, yeah, I thought that was interesting, because, you know, when she's talking about feeling confined, like, they've got her inside a a little kind of doll's house, right, and so then the emancipation, the, the freedom of discovering a way out, Like, the house goes on fire. Like, which is visually... Yo, this is very captivating. Yo, and it really does, you know, just play into everything that's kind of going on for her. But, you know, we're seeing all of this, right? So, we, we get to see and the things that they're using to try and, you know, tell this story. Like, walking down a corridor... You know, then we're also seeing more of the whole buried situation and holding this red rope, which, you know, that is kind of like a lifeline, right? Or maybe it's the umbilical cord of life. I don't know, right? But all of it, yeah, no, it works visually. It, it, it works in telling this story. Now, we do hear from the escort right which is um yeah you know it's interesting so i think you know a lot of the stuff she talks about it's it makes sense because if you if you grew up in a small place then we know that the viewpoints of those places are very much, they're more narrow than a larger city, say. So, you know, where it's about, you know, the confines of a relationship and what you're meant to be doing and all of this, which which you can see definitely plays into who um, Morgana Muse is. Because, yeah, she was repressed, right? So now this is her breaking out. What I did find interesting—I oh, mean, there's so much. <laughs> I mean, see so much, right? And it, and you do—it's all there. But it's the move to Berlin. Right? She talks about this move to Berlin, and and we see her in Berlin, and the interaction, and how all of this does seem to be buoying her, right, so it's, you know, it's huge, it's definitely huge, but, this is the the interesting thing, right, if that didn't happen, what would have happened, you know, because it's just like, she realised what she needed, and that was, you know, intimacy and touch to feel, you know, self-worth. So, you know, did, understanding that, yes, that's good. But if this whole, you know, film career didn't blow up, what would have happened? So it would have been interesting to find and hear about that. And we Don't really. You know, later within the film, she does talk about, you know, being bipolar and clinically depressed. Which, I I wonder, is this an actual diagnosis? Or is this what she feels she must be? Like, we don't really know. Yeah, we don't really know. Which would have been good to find out. But... I think we do definitely see this re-emergence of a woman, right, the film, it does a great job of showing that, and seeing her in these different situations, yeah, we, we, we see a lot, and throughout these different stages of life because you know as i said look this was filmed over five years we do see you know she's larger smaller at different times so you can see there's stuff going on right and she opens she definitely opens up about a lot of stuff but yeah going a little deeper right I would have loved to have gone a little bit deeper at times. But she de- she talks about how, you know, Sydney doesn't feel like home. And being in Berlin, it feels like, you know, she should have always been here. And, you know, I, she doesn't know why she, you know, she's kind of forgotten about Sydney. And, you know, it's a shame it took so long. But then we see her back. We see her back in Australia, so it's then, huh? How did that happen? And we don't know, right? We we don't know why. I, and and I feel that's a bit of a shame, you know, because I think that's part of the journey, you know, this whole this move, you know, across the world. Hey move from Australia to Berlin and then a move back i it, it, it's yeah why okay why did that happen and you know looking at all these pictures of her as you know the younger self you know and she talks about you know how she sees herself like she doesn't want to look in a mirror and all of this kind of stuff and it's like you know she's not an ugly per, like you know as a as a youngster she wasn't ugly you know she's just different and i mean when i say different it's like you know everyone's different (laughs) You read know I mean? so she, no, she doesn't look like a um, I don't know who you think of the big people at the time, maybe like Claudia Schiffer, right? Um, people like um, gosh, there's that girl, woman they talk about in About Time, who this escaped me, but you think about all these you know, supermodels and the types. Julia Roberts and all these people who everyone says, are oh, they're attractive. No, she doesn't look like them. But, not everyone finds those people attractive. So, you, you kind of, you look at it and you can see how the outside world can impact someone. But then you think, okay, so what are her tools other than you know, making these um, erotic films of having that self-worth, right? And we don't necessarily get that. It is fascinating, though, how, you know, it's like um, going from, oh, I want to kill myself, to then discovering, actually, I like intimacy. Then it's like, I can't look in the mirror but yo, let's make these films. Yo, it, it's this weird kind of um, yeah, juxtaposition of self worth, right? It's fascinating. It's really fascinating. I think the documentary it does a, it does a good job of giving us a lot. But as I said, there are there is stuff that you wish. That you, um, you know, you, you had more of. Like, she kind of talks about how being tied up. Like, it's a birthday present for her on her 50th. But you want to be like, but why? Right? Like, you know, is that, does that turn you on? So, seeing those images like, why, like, what about that is the thing, also, it's like, she's made all of these films, and then we find out later on that, yeah, she's making these films with the money she got from the divorce, so, you do kind of want to know, like, okay, so, how profitable are the films that you're making, you know, because, yeah, how are you, functioning, because you can see that the praise is buoying her up, for sure, you know, she's going to these um, film festivals, and loads of people are, like, fascinated, and, you know, they love what she's doing, but then, what, you know, from a financial point of view, how are these films doing? Are, Are they supporting you? You know, because we... Yeah, we kind of get a little bit of an insight, but not really a full one. But uh, this is a, <laughs> it's interesting as hell. It is really interesting. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, especially with, as I said, look, the trip, the journey back. Right, the journey back. So now she's back in Australia. So obviously she's you know she's close to her daughters again. So it would have been interesting to find out what they think of things. Plus, you know, what she kind of you know how her self worth is now. Right? So yeah, it, it it's fascinating. I, I would have wanted a little bit more, right? But I, I think something like this, it, it definitely is, it is It's good for people who have probably gone through a similar thing, right? It, it's something that tells people that of when you're a certain age that, you know, these things don't have to stop. You know, you're in your 50s and you can still, you know, you could still, you know, make, you know, like, porn if you wanted to. You can still make erotica if you wanted to. You can still enjoy that, you know, having sex if you want to. You know, plus, you know, yeah, she's not your, um, you know, not your typical... Uh, erotic star, right? Not your typical erotic star, so it, it does kind of, you know, flip those norms of beauty, which definitely a good thing. And you know, not everyone likes the same thing, so yeah, I think when we're shining the light on that and just, you know, beating that drum that you know people are different. Right, so embrace those differences. It, it's never bad. So I, I think if you're interested in this sort of stuff, I mean, yeah, this is definitely worth a look. You know, definitely worth a look. One fascinating thing as well, like so one of the directors and writers, Josie Hess, she worked with Morgana with her Permission for Pleasure production company. And so I, I, I was wondering to myself, like, huh, okay, so how, why did it take so long to kind of work out that this could be a story? Because you know, when you read about it, it's like not until you know she gets Isabel to help her film that Morgana's fiftieth birthday. That that then they kind of talk about, you know, oh, this could be a documentary. So I wonder why it took Josie so long to kind of, yeah, look and realise, oh, this could be something. That's fascinating, right? But um, yeah, yeah. As I said, look, Morgana, a documentary. It is, uh, yeah, it's not your typical documentary right, so, um, it's fascinating, I would say it's definitely worth a watch, you know, it's an hour and 11 minutes, so, it's nothing crazy, you know, you, you know what I mean, it's not gonna kill your time budget, right, and, yeah, I don't think you find yourself, um, you know, like, looking at your watch during it, because it is intriguing, so, uh, yeah, if you are at the um, San Francisco Indie Fest, check it out. And if you, you know, you miss it there, you know, still, go track it down. Go give it a watch. You know, it's, uh, it's compelling. It's definitely compelling, people. So there you go. Morgana, a documentary. <laughs> Okay people, so as we draw to a close on another episode, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film. So Zachary Levi will be starring in Harold and Purple Crayon. So um yeah, supposedly it's a, a children's classic never heard of it but um yeah this is a live-action adaptation and it's be coming up through Sony Pictures right so um, yeah Crockett Johnson um, who who uh, you know, wrote the original 1950s books about a four-year-old who with the power of his crayons created the world around him. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Um, but yeah, he's going to be working with David Goyne and Michael Hendon on the script. Hmm. I know Sounds a little uh, hokey Right? (laughs) Um, Now I never even saw this film Give Em Hell Malone It it starred Thomas Jane But uh, yeah, they're doing a sequel (laughs) So the original um, screenwriter Mark Uzok He's also coming back And um, What they're saying So this one, it picks up As Malone re-emerges After a decade of hiding From his past When a chance encounter Suddenly exposes him To the world He sets out to find the man Who is trying to kill him Oh dear So it's being directed by Russell McCaulykey um, you know who uh helmed the original, and um, yeah, Courtney Lauren Penn, uh, Richard uh, Renada del Castro, and uh, Thomas Jane will be um producing the film, hmm, so uh. You know, the world of esports is uh, suddenly blowing up It's all the craze And um, they're making a film about it So this is through um, Lionsgate and a BuzzFeed Who uh, entered a partnership towards the end of last year Right, and it's gonna be starring Ruby Rose Yep, she uh, You know, she hasn't left acting Right, and uh, Paris Berlick, right So, uh, yeah I think Supposedly Elliot Page was Meant to be in this, but Yeah, he's dropped Out, right Um, Kyle Newman is Directing And, um We've also got Zahir Perez, Hari Neff, and a Nicholas Combe in the piece. Which is about a, um, a young woman named Valerie Lee. You know, so she's in college, and she quits the esports team. Because she's just fed up. Fed up of being gaslit all the time from her male counterparts. But... Dom, 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 she realises that leaving the team could cost her her scholarship. But as, you know, you expected people, there's a loophole. So, if she can um, assemble, you know, coach and assemble a whole new Varsity caliber team Capable of reaching the state finals She keeps her scholarship So she teams up with her professor And best friend Who's played by uh, Rose Which that sounds weird Like her professor is her best friend It sounds like there's a conflict right there But They team to um, Train a ragtag team Of women to um, Band together And challenge the boy team Yay (laughs) It sounds um, Hokey But you know It could well be good So uh, Julia Yorks Is writing the script And uh, We've got Um Richard Allen Reed producing it with um, Michael Phillip and Jason Mooring. All right, so um, yeah, the Golden Globes, the nominations have come through, and um, just a few. Well, do, you know, because the list is long. So, Best Motion Picture Drama. You've got The Father, Mank. Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and a trial of the Chicago Seven. Best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama. You got Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andrea Day for United States v. Lee Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDonald for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. So best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama, Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Tahir Raham for The um, Mortician. So best motion picture, musical or comedy, Borat to Hamilton, Music. Palm Springs and the prom. Best performance from an actress in a musical or comedy. Uh, Maria Bakalov for Borat, Kate Hudson for music, Michelle Pfeiffer for French Exit, Rosamund Pike for I Care a Lot, and Anna Taylor Joy for Emma. So, the, the same category for men. We've got James Corden for prom. Um, Sasha Bone Coram for Bora, Lin Manuel Miranda for Hamilton, Deb Patel for The Personal History of David Copperfield, and Andy Schamburg for Palmer Springs. But, uh, yeah, we're gonna leave it there. Actually, let's do Best Picture. Animated, so The Crud to New Age Onward, Over the Moon Soul and Wolf Walkers Alright, let's move on So, um, yeah They are, uh, you know, making a, um, a film About the stage musical Wicked So it's coming through um, Universal Pictures And uh, John M. Chu has uh, been um, brought on board to direct So uh, yeah, that is that And also, after the success of The White Tiger Netflix, Ramin Barani and um, Avind Adiga Are uh, teaming up to make another of Adiga's uh, books and this one is Amnesty Right, so, um, yeah, Bahrain, as well as directing He's gonna write it and uh, produce So, um, the story is about an undocumented immigrant Who cleans houses in Australia One summer day, he realizes that he has information About the murder of one of his employers Dum, dum, dum Alright, so in other news, um, yeah, they are, you know, making, remaking even, Three Men and a Baby. Right? Uh, Zach Afron will be starring as one of the Three Men. <laughs> and uh, they have uh, just brought on Mo Marble to uh, direct. Yes, so this is gonna be a, a Disney Plus film, so uh, yeah, I don't know, we'll, we'll see um, what comes, right? You know, uh, the original made a load of money, so uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Now, another film which will be coming to um, Disney Plus and is a remake is Cheaper by the Dozen, so in this version. Uh, Zach Braff and Gabriel Union Are uh, taking those lead roles Right, so, um, yeah Uh, Kiana Barris is writing it And Gail Lena will be directing Uh, sure Um, then Now, um this is pretty interesting so uh, marvel will be um bringing out a documentary pretty soon called marvel's behind the mask and it will be looking at comic book creatives and pop culture experts discussing the importance the importance of creating superhero identities in order to connect with fans and readers so um, this will be dropping Actually next Friday on the 12th Of February So yeah yeah. I mean that sounds Interesting um, Now Jennifer Lopez she is um, Working With Netflix and, and Director Nikki Caro uh, for a Film called The Mother Right so in it It's about a a deadly female assassin um, Who comes out of hiding to protect a daughter She gave up years ago while on the run Right, so, uh, yeah Lopez will be playing the uh, assassin And um, Misha Green wrote the script Which has been revised by Andrea Burloff. Right, so, um yeah, Green, Elaine Goldsmith-Thomas Benny Medina Roy Lee and Miri Yoon are gonna be Producing And it's said to be akin To Leon And Leon was great, so Yeah, I don't know We'll uh, see what happens With that one Could it well be interesting And um Yeah, so uh Roland Emmerich, he's got a new film coming called *The Magic Flute*, and uh, you know they've just signed three people, three new people to it. So we've got um, Ewan Ron, Jack Wolf, actually four, Asher Banks, and Amir Wilson. Right, so um, it's yeah, it's based on the the opera. Of the same uh, of the same name and uh, so basically right what happens is it's set in present day Europe and it follows a 17 year old singer Tim Walker who travels from London to the Austrian Alps to attend the legendary Mozart boarding school. There he discovers a centuries old forgotten passageway Into the fascist world of Mozart's famed work Hmm well, I don't know, could be interesting I've never seen the opera But uh, yeah, I'd be interested So um, Florin Siegel is going to be directing um, Yeah, while Emmerich produces But that's it people We are done Um, Remember that the uh, Final Girls Berlin Film Festival Starts Later today So um, Thursday the 4th And um, yeah Look out for our coverage of that one Alright Enjoy your film watching And we will see you next Thursday Peace